the first person that I want to talk about is leading, learning to lead yourself, like learning to make a decision of something you want to do that's good for you and good for others, and then get yourself to follow through on that damn thing. Hey friends, I'm Jennifer, and you're listening to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast, a podcast for beauty industry providers and business owners that are wanting to level up their game to create a profitable career. If you're feeling stuck and you want more out of this industry, then join me as I share with you my strategies, lessons I've learned along the way, and how I overcame fear by shifting my mindset to build a healthy business. I built a solid book behind the chair, launched a bridal company, became a salon suite owner to most recently opening up a salon. As creative entrepreneurs, we need an education that empowers us and makes an impact on helping us raise our standards. My mission is to teach you how you can reach your goals quickly, build your books and your business faster, and master the framework for creating a successful and rewarding career. Thank you for joining me. Let's do this. Welcome to your Game Changer Podcast. Welcome back to the Beauty Business Game Changer Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Alvarez. You guys, I'm so excited because today I have a special guest that actually has been on the show before. So if you have been following us ever since the beginning, you have heard his voice before and he has a wealth of knowledge. He was on um, season one, episode 29. He's a lifetime hairstylist, experienced salon owner, global business speaker, and author of Shop Talk, Shop Talk, co-founder of 124Go and Podcast Shop Talk. Welcome back to the show, Chris Solome. Wow. I'm just amazed at how organized you were to know what episode that was. I would never have been able to pull that off. I had to go back in and I'm like, oh, dang, like this is, this has been such a cool thing to have a podcast and, and to meet so many cool people and, you know, Chris, both you and I have grown so much and have learned so much since that podcast. And I couldn't even tell you what year it was, 2021. It must've been during the shutdown. Wow. And, um, or was it 2020? It had to be 20, who knows, but I- It's been a blur. I know where it was. (laughs) I remember where I was standing. I was living in Atlanta at the time. But That's right. I guess I'm not sure. Uh, wow, I didn't remember being shut down during that time, but I guess so because I was home in the middle of the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because twenty, yeah, because 2020 was when we were shut down. It's a blur, right? And nobody can remember that blur. year. Yeah. I don't want to remember it. But anyways, nope. I'm so glad to have you back on the show and really, really dissect some of the new things that you have been talking about on Instagram and the things that you've been doing, you have just been so insightful. And I'm so excited to understand your perspective of some great topics that I want to dive into today. So I'll say first, like, let's, let's kind of just talk about what you've been up to since we've talked last. Um, Cause I know that there's been some big changes in your life and in your career. And let's just bring up our listeners to speed of what's been happening with Chris. Yeah. I mean, um, I'll speak to the side of me that realized in my late forties, so I'll be 50 next year, you know, and I, 
was losing inspiration in my life, meaning the work that I was doing was no longer propelling me in the way that it used to. It was no longer exciting me, even though I knew there was some way for me to like offer a service to somebody offer, you know, and when I say a service, I mean like to be able to help somebody um, in a professional fashion. And I'm a lifetime, like you said, hairstyle salon owner, you know, business speaker, all this stuff. And at some point along the way, I started to realize I wouldn't have been able to put it into these words, but I started to realize that the only way to continue to develop professionally is to develop personally. And so this kind of thing clicked off in my head. It was like personal development leads to professional results. Um, And I knew that internally because the growth that I was having that was giving me fulfillment, you know, as I had kind of ticked off all the boxes, um, didn't come from uh, achieving, you know, a client goal. It didn't come from selling a bottle of shampoo anymore. It didn't, you know, it, it came from like making real changes in my life, um, such as kicking a bad habit um, or picking up a habit that was better for me. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it became really obvious that like the more I started to practice those things in my personal life, my professional life has been pretty easy. Um, meaning, you know, I've always been, um, probably not rightfully so given jobs that I didn't deserve yet, maybe, um, you know, I've always been offered to, I've been offered to speak in really, you know, places that I feel real proud of. I've been offered to, you know, coach and work with high level leadership teams. And none of those things I ever felt like I was qualified for in the way of, Um, You know, I didn't have organized education. I didn't have this background. I just like kept continued to show up. And then I just kind of realized one day, maybe recently, that the reason why people get value when I'm around is because they want to make progress in their personal lives as well. And I, you know, feel like we're, we maybe hide or we keep secrets in our professional life sometime. Like I'll see people out there being so professional, but in their personal life, you know, they got a shit show going on behind the scenes, right? There's, there's, there's drama there's, and, um, you know, I've worked really hard to peel those things out of my life and it's just, it's just opened so many doors for me. So I, at some point realized that I just wanted to talk to people now and, you know, people are hairstylists and those hairstylists oftentimes go home and their life looks much different um, then it does, you know, then it's pictured in the world, in the, you know, virtual world and they have families and they have kids and they have, you know, race to get the kids to school in the morning and they have drama and they have all this stuff. And, um, I just thought if I needed to clean that up in my life and then my life got better, maybe I could turn my attention towards that. I really like that you are bringing this awareness because I know for myself, anytime that I'm feeling extremely stressed or burnt out, usually it's because I'm not taking the time to take care of me. And, and I think that's such a beautiful way of saying, like, um, if you want to continue to develop professionally, you must grow personally. Can you share a little bit about if, if you can be vulnerable, what were some of those things that you're like? I, this is not serving me anymore. 
and I got to replace it with something better. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, you know, uh, for people that know me in my life, I mean, I'm a recovering alcoholic, right? And I, you know, and uh, in 2010, I got a DUI. It was, you know, while I was a salon owner, you know, quite publicly uh, in my area, right? You know, I mean, we all think the whole world knows at that point, but it felt like it. Um, and, you know, to say that was embarrassing as a 36-year-old man, you know, is an understatement. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, like, as many people do that have secrets, like, I mean, I wish I could say I got the DUI and then I, and then I stopped, you know, my abusive drinking, but I continued to, to, you know, try to, try to control that, um, for a little longer. And then finally, you know, I just found myself, it just, what used to be my solution for life didn't work anymore. You know, I mean, that was a great escape for me for a long time. And, um, uh, I, you know, I thought of it when I was young as partying. I thought of it as I got older, as I was, you know, drinking red wine and I was a cultured part of society. You know, I was owning a business and, and employing people and figured I deserved it. Um, but in truth, I was never able to control that, you know, and uh, there were times where I felt like I was in control and then I wasn't. And at 36, you know, somebody lovingly pointed out to me that, you know, Chris, <laughs> this shit isn't working anymore. Um, and that, you know, I wish I could say that was a straight through ride, but I went without drinking for six years in recovery. Um, and then I thought I was cured and, you know, thought I wanted to try the controlled thing and be an adult again. And I had an eight month period of time where I tried it again and, and, uh, equally failed, you know, just faster this time. And, uh, you know, that's been about six years ago now. And, you know, that, that was the biggest, you know, kind of like the easiest to see vulnerability piece, um, that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, and you know, it's, it's an easy thing to, you know, cause it's legal, it's, it's encouraged, it's marketed, you know, it's uh, on every commercial. Um, but there's a, you know, who you are, if like, you're struggling with that, not everybody does, but I was, um, and it was the hardest one for me at the time, because I didn't really want, you know, I wished I could just do what I saw other people doing. Um, I mean, really, I just, I didn't want to you know, I didn't want to end up like face down in an alley. I just wanted to do what I thought, you know, I saw other people doing. And um, with help, I had to take ownership of that. And that's kind of led me on. It's probably the start of the journey of this conversation right now, because it's the first piece of what I now consider leadership. So, I, you know, I think in the world, uh, I've just worked with so many damn people that want to talk about leadership. And then I watch them in their life and I go, what are you talking about? Like you're holding somebody accountable when you can't even hold yourself accountable. You know, you're trying to get people to live up to a standard higher than the one that you hold for yourself and in secret would never want to live up to. Um, and so when I talk about leadership nowadays, the first person that I want to talk about is leading, learning to lead yourself, like learning to make a decision of something you want to do that's good for you and good for others, and then get yourself to follow through on that damn thing enough days in a row that it becomes a habit, enough months in a row that other people notice, and then enough years in a row 
that that becomes, you know, a, a part of your real story and that you can inspire other people in larger groups. And so, you know, I think of, I think of leadership in stages, self, self plus one, you know, somebody notices, maybe it's your biggest support, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's somebody at work, wow, you've really changed, you've cleaned up, you've been making some improvements, whatever it is, um, you know, then a small group notices, and then that group gets bigger. Um, and that, you know, in essence, is what's called influence. And that's what a lot of influencers do is, is, you know, they, um, the good ones, the ones that I admire, you know, they, they gained a skill, they mastered that thing doesn't need to be quitting, you know, drinking or, you know, cursing or lying or whatever. It, it can just be, you know, they gained a skill, they mastered the skill, they started to teach the skill. Somebody noticed that group got small, that group got bigger. And then now they have impact. Mm. And, um, in order, and you're doing that, right? You've been doing this. And, and so, you know, in order to impact people, the first person I believe you have to impact truly is yourself, Yeah. you know, and you can have a business card that says you're a leader. Um, and we all know how that goes. And then you can, and then you can be the real leader in that group. And that's, you know, the thing that I'm trying to kind of influence people to do is like, you know, don't look around for like, it's great to work with a leader, you know, person that you, you admire, you look up to, you guys have camaraderie, do that. Um, if you're on a team where you love the leader, stay on that team. And then how do you contribute to that team? You learn the rules of engagement of that team and you be the best team member there is. And then you become a leader inside of that team. What do you think is the most difficult when it comes to leading ourselves. And I think that this conversation is not just great for salon owners, but also as a, an individual hairstylist, you need to lead yourself because it is your personal responsibility to grow your business as well as the help of, if you're working with, with a team mm -hmm. that they can help you. But is there anything like specific that you can think of on your journey of leading yourself that you're like, why is it so difficult? And, and what are some things that we can do to get these roadblocks out of our way? Sure. Well, you know, human beings are wired for dichotomy, meaning um, uh, we need to feel comfortable, but we need variety, right? Those, those two things pull on each other. Right. If you, you know, got to a place where you're comfortable and you stay there for too long, you get in a rut. Well, that's, you know, um, we need to grow, but we need to contribute, you know, so we need to get some for us, but we also need to make sure we're giving some. Um, we need to feel important, but we also need to feel loved. Right. So we need to feel unique, I guess I should say. I need to feel a little bit different than you, but I also need to feel a little bit connected to you, right? Um, and so because those things are always pulling on one another, you know, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, so I can't say. I can say in me, um, sometimes there might be a thing that I really want, know that I should be doing that's better for me. Let's just say something easy, like going to the gym or just choosing the right menu meal at lunch, right? Like I know I should have the, you know, whatever it is, the salad or the, you know, I shouldn't have the carbs or whatever. And then the, and then the server comes by and says, do you, you know, do you want the loaf of bread? <laughs> and some days, <laughs> most days I can say no, <laughs> but some days I say yes when I meant no. <laughs> so I think habitually, um, 
you know, um, habitually we, we form habits, those habits really, I mean, they run beyond our control, right? So, you know, um, I don't know if you're a coffee drinker or not, your teeth seem to be way too white to be a coffee drinker. <laughs> um, but, but I'm a coffee drinker and I know that that coffee cup, I'm sure like a cigarette smoker calls me in the morning. Like when I have a choice between, do I go to the gym now or do I make a cup of coffee and then go to the gym? The choice is always make a cup of coffee and go to the gym. If I leave it up to my body, if I can get, just get control of my brain for a minute, and like, this is really the conversation I have. Like, this is, this is really the conversation I have. Like, Chris, you don't need that right now. Your body will wake up on its own. You just need to get in the car and drive to the gym. <laughs> um, there's, there's the other part. So that's the easy part because that's self-leadership. Um, it does get more complicated when you're working in groups. And this is why culture is so important, whether you're the leader and you're developing a culture or you're um, working inside of a team and you've put yourself inside of a culture. So, you know, just to get this out on the table, you choose to work where you work. Nobody held a gun to your head to get, go work there. If you live in the United States anyway. And, um, and you know, you chose to work there. So if that culture is high performing, then you, you better damn well be high performing because, you know, you're a contributing member of that society. But if you're hanging out with a group of people and their standards are below yours. And again, I forget what study this came from, but I did hear it one time. So don't quote, you know, like any statistics on this, but I've heard it said many times that if you take a high performer and put them in with people that are, have a lower set of standards in them, that person will usually lower their standards to fit in because we have this innate, you know, desire to fit in. Mm -hmm. So I think also, God, and I can see this with my own self, I was just saying to my brother the other day, he came in town, he was visiting and I was like, I'm sorry, dude, I can't break my, my eating regimen while you're here. Like, I just can't. Now I know we want to eat pasta together. I know we want to, you know, go have fun together, but I'm not doing it this time because I have seven family members and there's always somebody in town. And if I break it every time, that's not good for me in the long run. So, you know, lack of self-control, lack of commitment, and then, of course, um, lack of clarity would be another one. Like, um, you know, you wake up, you you take what the day throws at you, and then before you know it, it's eleven o'clock, and you made you made no real choices as to what your day was going to look like. Hmm. And so, I think you know that's another thing. And these are all things that I've really thought about, but your question is like helping me to kind of like put some words to it. Mm -hmm. um, I was on a call today with a guy that was asking, we were, we were having a discussion about sales consultants and, you know, he was asking, you know, my thoughts on helping to train, you know, sales consultants nowadays. And he gave me like the paradox of, what's happening inside of sales consultants right now. And he was like, you know, they want things right now. Um, they're looking for immediate results. They don't want to put in the hard work, all the stuff. And I was like, that's just people, you know, that's just people. And so like, you know, I asked him like, what would be the 10 or five or two, if you could 
take somebody and, and, you know, have a conversation with them and get them to follow through, what would be the like two to five actions that if they did them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis over time, you know, for a fact, they would get, you know, an incredible result. Well, I think we could all list those for ourselves. What are the three to five to seven you know, best practices for, for, for healthy, happy, productive living for us and put those down on paper. And it would still be hard to follow every day because of our culture, of our, you know, of our habits, of our just immediate needs of our body and sometimes just our mood. Hmm. Yeah. It makes me think about developing discipline until it becomes a lifestyle. You know, like you said, you want coffee, you go to the gym and developing these good habits that at first it's, it seems unrealistic or can I even attain that lifestyle? Of Do just I even want it? to? Do I want to? Yeah. But having that self-control commitment it, it's it's something that you daily have to make that decision because, you know, tomorrow we can make a bad decision and then fall back into a lazy routine or um, back into choosing something that didn't serve us, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just like, how can we make these daily decisions that we're going to show up and we're going to try to do our best to be better? I think that you know, talking about this out loud too, we live in this culture where we're so pressured to look perfect and be perfect and have instant success and, and have all these opportunities to come, but that's just not the reality. And I think that what, what type of things have you been thinking about knowing that this is the state that we live in? of how to not feel so much pressure. Yeah, it's, I mean, my brain is like there right now on a daily basis. And it was the reason why, so last year, um, and look, I didn't have a huge following. It's nothing like that. Um, last year, I decided I just needed to like take myself completely off of social media. I didn't delete my accounts. I took everything off of my phone and I, literally didn't look at it for almost a year. Um, and people, even my clients, because I make videos for people would say to me, like, you know, um, did you see this? Did you that, that I'm like, no, I'm, I'm making you videos is what I'm doing. You're posting them <laughs> and I'm not, I'm never seeing them again. <laughs> and the reason why was because for the state of my personal mental health, well-being, and also my transition. Um, I wanted to transition professionally. I didn't know exactly what that looked like. And I didn't want to just keep randomly trying to keep up with something I didn't want to keep up with anymore. And now, I mean, if you look at what I started doing just a month or so back, um, comparatively speaking to what the content looked like a year ago, it's they're all on the same grid, right? It's like two different people. Um, during the past year, I realized a lot of things when I came off of social. Now, you don't have to come off social to realize these. You can just hear me out. Number one, it literally does not matter what anybody else thinks of you. And I mean, I know that 
that's a hard one to digest because we have people in our lives that we care about. We have people in our lives that, you know, we're, we're committed to, um, we're in relationships with, we're, and I'm not talking about, it doesn't matter how you make them feel. You know, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, I'm a very active member of my family. Um, and we all have different, you know, opinions on lots of different things. And I can have a different opinion some about somebody and still be compassionate to their feelings. So I'm just saying that whatever you think other people are thinking about you when you're posting, working, putting yourself out there, going to the gym, wearing something that's too tight, whatever it is that you think of yourself, nobody else is thinking that of you. And if anybody else is thinking that about you, they are an asshole and you are not <laughs> like, that's just the reality. So I'll, I'll be a little, you know, I don't know if this is vulnerable or not, but I'll tell you during that period of time that I stopped posting, um, there was a while where I had four to seven names of people in my head. Now you have these people too that I would think if I post that, what will they think, right? It was like four to seven people. It was a fantasy, right? Mm -hmm. These are people that are going home and thinking about their own lives. <laughs> They're not thinking about anything that I posted, had to say, had to whatever. But I had like built this bizarre, disillusioned idea that what I talked about, posted about, said, mattered to somebody else in a way that had any control or effect over me. And it's, it's really strange for me to like realize that or that I had that realization because for a long time, I've been teaching people to not worry about what other people think. I mean, I've been talking about this for years and I didn't even see it in my life that I was allowing it to control me. So I spent a lot of time in the woods starting during COVID. Actually, I started to camp um, during, during the 2020 break, which was one of my favorite things that came out of that. And um, I started to trail hike a lot. I started to spend a lot of time in the North Georgia mountains. Uh, I bought a Well, I had a tent. I brought my tent back out. I started tent camping and now I've been tent camping all over the country. Um, and then during that time, I, that was where I started to draw my inspiration was not just the being alone part, but being okay, being alone. Um, and then the voices got quiet. And then at some point I just realized like, it doesn't matter at all what I talk about, as long as, you know, for me, this is for me, not for the people out there, but like, as long as what I'm talking about fulfills me because I'm helping people out for whatever reason, like that's my, um, you know, my barometer is like, I just want to help people. And I definitely went through a period of time in my career where I wasn't sure how I wanted to help people, but mm -hmm. You know, that's why I'm on this podcast. Like, that's why I reached out to you is because like, you know, I, I want to put it out there because I know if I was having the experience of feeling held back, my voice, my, my voice was held back because just from my thinking about what other people would think. And if you can just like really digest that that whole thing is a fantasy, then you can start to practice um, developing what you want to talk about. And it might not be a social media thing for you. It might be telling your parents that you just put me through hair school and now I want to be a nurse 
or you just put me through nursing school and now I want to be a hairdresser. And, you know, but I'm too afraid to like voice what I really want. And um, I call it truth telling. That's like a major discussion I've been having with some good friends of mine lately. And I don't believe that most people are that good at telling themselves the truth about important things. So if you said, you know, what do you want for dinner? I think that's easy. I think you can truth tell there. But if I said like, what's something that you've been really wanting to do that you don't even want to tell, you don't even want to hear yourself think it because when you start to stack on top, well, how would I do it? Oh my God, what would my parents think? What would my wife think? Husband think? What would my friends think? Um, you just shy away from it. Well, here I am. I'm 50 now. I will be this year. And I'm going, wow, half of my life just flew by. And I haven't been telling myself the truth about what I really want to do professionally in my second, you know, 50 years. <laughs> and now I'm like, fuck it. You know, that's what yeah. I'm doing. So I'm posting from the woods. <laughs> well, and you had to go through that experience to get to where you are today. And as so many people can relate to this because we are stuck in our own thoughts of feeling discouraged or fear or fear of judgment. And it's like, how do we overcome that? How do we quiet those voices and gain some peace? Because, you know, you took a moment and turned off the social media and literally went to the woods. And <laughs> I don't foresee myself going out into the woods, <laughs> but I think that it's, that's a great, you know, um, sim symbolism of, you know, in order for you to collect peace in your mind, you need to shut everything off. And so what if the things are not shut off? What can we do to overcome this so we mm -hmm. can gain that clarity and really really discover what fulfills us. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a, you know, and the word I would use, it, it's like my, it was my demonstration of willingness to try something new and really like buy into what I was trying to share with other people anyway. You know, I mean, I was trying to share with people like get quiet. Um, and you know, I wasn't getting quiet. Um, and so but you're right. You don't have to like social media is not the enemy, right? It was, it was my thinking about other people and comparing. Um, and I hang out with a lot of you guys, you know, a lot of you guys are, do, you know, doing really fun, neat things. And it's like, I don't want to do that anymore though. So what do I do? And it's like, well, what do I do is I find my truth. And then I spend the rest of my life trying to live my truth imperfectly. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, a lot of the videos that I've been making for people lately, and I'll talk about that for just a second really quick. Five years ago, I went to work at with Salon 124 Group specifically to help them with a few things that Brian was wanting to do there. One of those things was he wanted to start a YouTube channel. and. Um, he brought me on and I said, I'll try to help you build it. And so I started filming with my phone. And then through the years, I learned how to make videos for people. 
I'm talking about that to say the videos that I'm making now for people are beautiful and I'm super proud of them, but that's not what you'll see on my social. Because when I talk with video clients in the beginning, people that are trying to put themselves out there, put their voices, I say, look, in the beginning, you don't have to post something. Excuse me. You don't have to post something that's an Academy Award. Like, you need to start to practice posting about the things that you want to post about. And then it'll get better and better and better over time. And over time, <laughs> I always say this, good thoughts plus good actions plus time equals good results, right? If you just mm -hmm. keep trying to think better, trying to do better, and then you do that over a period of time, discipline, you're going to get a better result. Are you going to be, you know, are you going to be Ryan Whedon? Are you going to be, you know, um, Jacob Kahn? Are you going to be, you know, I don't know if you'll ever get to that level of, you know, uh, you know, where they're at in their career, but you'll be better. I definitely think too, when you're naming some of those names, and I think just like you said, everyone's probably got like seven people they have on their mind that are thinking, what will they think? And there are certain people that I see in this industry that they're making big waves. And, and maybe this isn't their truth, but to an outsider, I just see clarity. I see confidence. I see that they're truly in their element of their strength. Like they're not yeah. trying, you know, they're not trying to be somebody else or conform to what the trends are. They're just putting themselves out being yeah. them. Yeah. And I think that to, to others who are not at that level are thinking, well, how do I get there? You know, yeah. what are the things that they have done that I'm not doing, which is why I'm not there either. <laughs> yeah. Right. So again, just and going back to like leading yourself. Yep. Yeah. You know, and if you yeah. can't lead yourself, how are you going to lead, lead a team, whether it's a, a salon team or like your followers or your students or yeah. whatever you're trying to create? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that a lot, you know, one of the groups of people that I spend a lot of time with are educators because number one, I was an educator for years and still am. Um, but number two, I ran education teams, um, and in both of those situations where I had large groups of educators that I was, you know, helping, coaching, mentoring, I saw something very distinct between people that were wanting to be successful and weren't, and then people that were successful in that world. And the, the major difference was the people that were you know, not doing that well, but really always wanting success and, you know, this and that, they were focused on themselves. Meaning, meaning, what do I get out of this? I want to be on stage. I want to be doing this. I want to be doing that. I want to be right. I, 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 I. And the ones that are just crushing it are just teaching people. And they're very focused on their game but what they're focused on is mastering their craft. So whether that craft is speaking and they needed to master their presence on stage, they needed to master their confidence, they needed to master their look, you know, the way they wanted to create that 
um, brand, if if it was their actual technical technique, if it was if it was learning how to network with people, learning how to find those people who could get them work. They're so focused on that. And I mean, we just interviewed Jake on Shop Talk um, recently and I asked him the same question. He's like, look, he's like, we're not dancing and pointing to words on our Instagram. Like that's not what we're doing. We're teaching haircuts and we're showing techniques one at a time. That's what we're doing. We're not trying to follow an algorithm. We're just teaching haircuts. And if somebody wants to be watch us teach haircuts, then they can watch. Um, but we're not trying to make one of our reels go viral. You know, they're, they're obviously viral at this point, but the point is it's the foundation. He's like, I'm not going to dance and point to words, you know, unless he's just blowing some steam off and having fun, but that's not what their content is about, mm. you know? And so I made the same decision. I don't know if it'll be for better or worse, but I was like, I want to talk to people you know, and somebody called me, you know, kind of in a, trying to be, you know, give me some good feedback and it was good feedback and I took it, but they were like, okay, so your videos are too long. You need to make them this, you need to that. And I'm like, yeah, but I have full thoughts that I want to get out to people in more than six lines. And if somebody doesn't want to digest a full, deep, rich thought that I've, you know, am feeling, then fuck them. Don't watch my shit. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, you know, it's fine. I'm, it's fine. I mean, I, I, I want, all I want is that if hope, you know, I, I, for some reason, happiness is not a natural wiring for me. Um, I can go into character, but I've worked on happiness in my whole life. I don't, I just don't know why. I remember being a kid and feeling alone um, and feeling lonely, even though I have six brothers and sisters. Um, and I don't have the lonely experience anymore because, you know, I've worked through that. But, um, man, if somebody's feeling lonely, I'll tell you, I want to talk to them because I've worked through it. So I can't do that in three lines. And you're just being true to yourself. And those that need to hear it will be there. You know, totally. I, I think, you know, we're talking about leading ourselves and in, in overcoming this mindset. And what what would you have to say, especially because you have experience um, in the salon industry, salon ownership, what would you say if there's thoughts of a salon owner that are having these thoughts too of maybe that imposter or mm-hmm. thoughts of, you know, am I good enough to lead my own team? Yeah. Yeah. You know, first of all, everybody has those feelings. Um, And second of all, you know, just like with your team, right? Everybody, every member of your team is in a place. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, they're at a stage in their career. And so I identify those through like four stages, because for me, everything comes in fours. Um, You know, number one, you've got a new team member, right? So let's say you're a new salon owner. Um, There's a set of skills that you don't know yet. It just is what it is. And you have to deal with that. And like what that person needs is training, right? So in the beginning, you're a new hairstylist. And what do you do with a new hairstylist? You teach that person, right? You teach them how to weave a foil. You teach them how to hold a comb, you know, 90 degree elevation, 45, 180, all that stuff. You teach them that, right? Now, so it's the same thing for a salon owner. If you're feeling overwhelmed and you're brand new, well, 
yeah, welcome to the world. You know, like you're, you're right where you should be. You're feeling overwhelmed. And that overwhelm is telling you, I need more training. I need to learn more skills. You're walking through it right now, changing software. We were just talking about it, right? <laughs> it's like, it, it doesn't go away because you're always new to something, but you want to recognize it. I'm overwhelmed. Is this a skill that I actually have mastery in? If you don't have mastery in it, oh, great. Here's the solution. You just need more skills. Well, cool. So that's number one. The second thing is maybe you're gaining traction. So I've been doing this for a while and I've hit another place where I'm feeling overwhelmed again. So as a hairstylist, I remember one time, I don't know, I was like 28 or 30 years old. It was, it was like where I was feeling like I was really on my game. And um, I think I said to a client, like, I don't think my hands would allow me to mess up a haircut anymore because they're just too trained. Well, those were the wrong words to say. I think like the next week I like cut somebody's ear. I like messed up three haircuts. It was like the most bizarre <laughs> turn of events, you know, it was like after like not messing up anybody's hair for a really long time and feeling overconfident, right? Silly, but you're going to run up against that. Even if you're, even if you're gaining traction, even if you had a profitable year, even if you're growing, there's, it means that you're at a stage in your career where, oh, what got me here won't get me there. And now I need new skills. Now you got to find out what are those new skills because they're not yesterday's skills. I one time said, many times I said, um, I have a brother, he's a salon owner. Um, he's amazing. And for years, his business was feeling a little stagnant and he would call me up and complain. And he just wanted to complain. It's just brotherly stuff, right? We weren't going to fix it. We were just complaining. And um, I would say to him, well, <laughs> then he would call me and he would say, you think I should go to that balayage class? And I'd be like, no, you shouldn't go to a balayage class. You're a you've been balayaging since the eighties. You're a master. Like go to a business class, right? <laughs> That's what you really want to go to. So you got to get choosy about, am I, you know, am I just repeating the same thing and expecting a different result? Mm. Um, and that's the second thing. So, so now there's the, again, in the next phase, I think of it as in flow. So it's, I'm new, I'm gaining traction, I'm in flow. And if you're in flow, usually this is where people start to have, well, I mean, I think of you like straight out of the gate, right? You were a busy hairstylist, then you owned a suite. Then you realize, no, I need people. I want to grow people. There's more inside of me. And it's in, it's in that flow part where you, people will either turn to a rut, meaning they'll master a skill and then they'll stay there for the rest of their lives and get miserable. Um, and then, you know, every time a new trend comes in, they say, oh my God, I did that, you know, when I was young, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, stop it. Great. It's back. So like relearn it again or relearn it with a different twist and be excited about it because that's what your clients want. Um, or it's your, it's just earth telling you it's time for you to grow again. Like it's no longer about you mastering your skills. It's about helping other people master their skills. It's no longer about, you know, I used to feel an immense sense of contribution to a person, person to person, when I finished a beautiful hairstyle, that immense sense of contribution felt less and less and less through the years because I wanted to contribute in a bigger way, in a different way, right? There's no bigger contribution than a person to person, you know, help. 
if you will, help of sense of image and, you know, the whole bit. But I wanted to affect people in a different way when I was in flow because I thought I had more to offer. So if you're in a rut, it's because you have more to offer. You need to find that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finally, um, you're wondering what's next. And that's when you've, you know, and I never got this when I listened to old people like me talk and I was younger. I used to think that they leveled out and just couldn't do it anymore. And now I know I was wrong because like I could very easily do hair right now. It's the easiest. I mean, I'm sorry if this is offensive to anybody. The easiest way I can make a shit ton of money right now is to go back behind the chair. A few Facebook posts in my old neighborhood and, you know, it would be game on and I can do the work, but I don't want to do it anymore. I want to help people in a different way. And it's not that I can't, it's that I want to help people to realize their own personal potential. So if you're wondering what's next, I think the biggest thing I see people do is they get stuck thinking they've let, they've capped out, they've leveled off. Oh my God, I'm behind the chair. What would happen if I moved on? Um, what would happen to my identity, my self-image? This is what I'm known for. My income. I mean, that is a big deal really, because, you know, being a busy hairstylist, a, a successful hairstylist, I mean, it's a great income. You know, and it it is a hard thing to kind of transition from walk away from you have to you have to make a plan. But if you're in that place and you're on a team, maybe it's just maybe it's going into leadership or management. Maybe it's becoming a trainer in your salon. Maybe it's becoming a partner in your salon. I don't know what it is, but the saddest place that I see people get to and I, I hear this deeply and loudly right now, like the. People, for some reason lately, are getting honest with me. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm trying to get honest with people. Um, And I think the number one conversation I'm having are with seasoned veterans in whatever it is they do. I'm having people out, you know, discussions outside of the salon industry, too, of people that have a lot to offer, but they're just too scared to make the move. And I mean, you will talk yourself out of it a thousand different ways and a thousand different voices, a thousand different times, and you're going to miss out on an opportunity. And I mean, I don't want to miss out on this, you know, like, like I feel free right now talking to you. I feel like I can say whatever I want. And for a long time, I didn't feel that way. And here's what's wild. The people at the companies that I like to do work with, they're still hiring me. In fact, they love what I'm doing. I was afraid to do this. For years, four, five, six years, I knew I wanted to, you know, change my voice, but I was afraid that I would stop getting hired. And now they're like, we're going to have you so busy next year, you know, you just tell us when to turn the faucet off. And I'm like, wow. So this is what it means when you like live true to yourself. I That's so beautiful. And I think that hearing those different levels I think that a lot of people can identify where they are currently at and maybe they've been through that one of those stages before and now they're on a, a different journey in their career and they're at a different segment of that. And it's like, where do you think that people should be at? What is the goal? Well, you're always on it, right? So, I mean, now I'm like, you know, one of, one of the sides of me is videographer. Um, 
my skills have gotten better, but I still am fumbling around with writing a contract and what does that look like and how does that go on? And I mean, there's, you're always, if you're not new at something, then you know you're stagnant, right? So the person I fear for the most is like the person who's trying to hang on to the one, you know, niche that they had and stay with that. And it's like, that's going to, that's going to bypass you. I mean, I can think of people that were making waves five years ago in a big way that I don't hear much about anymore. Um, and it's because they haven't, you know, as um, my buddy Jay Ladner would say, adapt, adapted and evolved, you know, they, they haven't really taken on the re the true reality that you can master a thing, but life will change you. And I mean, again, you know, I was a hairstylist that, you know, I went 13 years old. I was braiding hair, right? By 17, I was in, in the salon. Um, you know, I was going to be a hairstylist. Like that's what I was going to be. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that I would never, that I would ever not be a hairstylist in my life. Now I'm still licensed. Um, and who knows if I'll ever just for, you know, it'll set back on my heart to go back behind the chair and serve people. My mother did that late in her life. And it was, it was amazing. I mean, she, you know, she went back in and did old lady hair and it was, she <laughs> loved those old women. She loved them, you know, and, and she would wheel them in and she would, you know, um, that was fulfilling for her. She didn't need to do that, you know, so I'll do whatever like makes me fulfilled, which is what I think you should be doing as, you know, anybody listening um, but you're always in one of those stages. You're always new. You're always gaining traction. You're always in flow and you're always wondering what next, if not, then you're probably dead. Hmm. But I will say this, if you're a leader getting real clarity on where your team is, because you have to talk to your team differently and they're, they're at that place. So let's say for instance, you're exactly where you want to be. I mean, I was talking to you earlier, right? You're you know, you're doing the, your dream, right? You're like trying to perfect it before you grow it. Um, and you said something, let's get better before we get bigger. I mean, you know, that you found somewhere else, but you've been living by that standard. Um, so you're like in it and you're, and you're, you're love, you know, you're doing your dream. Um, well, now you have a team under you that are looking to you to help them grow. And like the better you can identify around where you think they are. I don't think you should label somebody like, oh, they're just new. Cause some people out of the gate come out faster out of the gate. Some people are in flow in one way, but gaining traction in another. So, but if you can identify where they're at with that specific thing, then when you're approaching them, you're approaching them three different ways. You're either teaching them. So there are times when you're teaching a person a skill. And it's a skill that you have or somebody in your salon has. And you go, you need to learn this. I'm not the person for you, but you're going to go over there. You're going to stand next to, you know, Julie today. And she's going to teach you how to do that thing. And like, by the end, you're going to be a master. That's teaching. And that's for newer people or people that are learning a new skill, right? Then there's coaching. And the coaching piece is where you're pulling it out of them, right? You're leading people to their own answers so they can have an experience. And then the third level is mentoring and mentoring them is when you're sitting with somebody and witnessing and supporting them in a place where you have experience 
that they can lean on you for. Mm -hmm. And usually mentoring is a little bit, you know, when that relationship is usually the relationship's deeper or that person has an abundance of trust in you and they've confided in you. And if you're mentoring somebody, you know, you better be trustworthy. I mean, you better be worthy of allowing them to witness or, or, or them allowing you to witness what they're needing help with, because that's a, you know, as my good friend, Michael Cole would always say, like, that's a sacred relationship. Mm. I definitely would say like being a salon owner with employees now, it really makes you stop to look to to take a look back at your team and at your staff and and yes not label not judge them and really like lead through empathy and where they are at because yeah. you you want to meet them eye to eye and i think that that really helps to build trust yeah. um in addition to like knowing, you know, I see your potential. That's why I hired you. How can we get yeah. you to that next step? I think as a leader, like definitely struggling. Uh, I don't want to say struggle. Like the challenge is with personality types mm-hmm. and just identifying what those different personalities are and how to meet them halfway. Like, what do you think that, what is our current challenges that you think that the leaders are facing mm-hmm. right the, now the biggest leadership challenge that a salon owner is usually going to have um number one is skill if like let's just set aside skills for a second leadership skill um it's mainly i don't want this word to get mistaken in the way that i i, I mean it. it's mainly identification I need to be able to identify with the fact that I know what it's like to sit in your shoes. Now, how can I do that? That what I'm about to share is a strategy, but it's I I hate the term strategy because this is not of you you lose I win or or you win I lose. This is just a way that I can connect with you, but I have to mean it. Um Jennifer <laughs> I can specifically remember a time when I was growing, I was feeling frustrated. I didn't think I was ever going to grow a business, to be honest, right? And I can see that's where you're at. And I want you to know, like, I really honestly, honestly know how that feels and it sucks. Will you trust me or would you trust me or would you allow me to share some things that helped me to get through that time. Now that might've sounded a little cheesy, but in all honesty, like when I'm sitting with somebody, let's say it's a new, the newest assistant in a company or associate or whatever, you know, that, that label is like, I remember scrubbing the bottom, scrubbing our salon from top to bottom, you know, and then wheeling up a color cart. And my brother, who was my boss at the time saying, you missed the, you missed the wheels. So I just spent four hours cleaning the salon and he goes and tells me I missed the wheels on the cart. Right now I felt, you know, as big as a bug at that time. And I remember that real specifically. So like, if, if you're new, I get it. I get it. If you're a hitter 
and you're wondering like, how do I get to the next level? Well, I know what it's like to do a high income month, you know, now I was, I left the chair in the early 2000s or no, late to, no, I didn't 2013. So, you know, 15,000 a month was a big number now, now like people are doing 30, but I know what it's like to do 30,000 clients behind the chair. I did two and a half million dollars in sales as a hairstylist, not as a salon owner, as a hairstylist. So I can have that conversation with you. I can relate. I can identify with it. You're in a rut. Oh boy, do I get that one. I was ready to dig my own grave. You know, let's, let's dig you out of that. Let's grab a shovel. I'm going to pick up a shovel with you and we're going to walk you through this and see what your next chapter is. But I've had conversations with leaders that simply are unwilling to either admit that they identify or can't remember, you know, if like, if you can put yourself back in that place, you were new once, you know, and okay, some people's rides were easier, but you made a mistake along the way, you know, feel that again before you're going to talk with somebody who just made a mistake that they feel like their world is caving in. Feel it again and go like, oh, I remember that. Mm. You know, <laughs> like it's okay. It's so important to, to be relatable. And I think that's how you can achieve that buy-in from your team as, is to let them know, like, it is okay if you yeah. make mistakes because I make mistakes all the time. Yeah. And knowing that they have somebody to walk them through overcoming that, I'm like, that's why people have chosen you to be their leader. Otherwise, right. what are you good for? You know, that's right. That's right. There's a lot has that has changed in the economy. And we hear a lot of different conversations about like, quiet quitting, uh, recession. And I think that there's always like fears of walkouts or my salon team's all leaving for salon suites and things like that. Like, what do you tell the salon leaders that you have coached in the past and have heard these conversations of how to continue the focus of leading yourself mm -hmm. and being the leader and not being distracted or fearful of the what ifs? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, first of all, it's okay to be fearful as long as you're clear on um, where you're going. And people have been quiet quitting forever. People, you know, we called it quit and stay, you know, before we called it quiet quitting. And that's not, it's not just because I'm an old guy. It's because it's real. It's like, you know, people would just quit and park. Um, and it's okay, you know, Look, I'm not an economist. I'm, you know, I'm certainly not a global power on this on this topic. But what I will say is, I've lived long enough to live through two of these things now. Um, you know, September 11th, I was a young salon owner, <clears throat> and we thought the world was going to end. You know, and I mean, I can remember the quietness. I can remember the weirdness. I can remember the recession you know, that we walked through during that time and the fear. Um, but we were in the business to be in the business, right? So we knew what a greater time to serve people now when they need us. 
Hold on one second. You know, and right now is the same exact thing. You know, um, there's no better time to give good service. I want to share a really fast story. Um, because I've been on the road so much lately, I was trying to get a haircut before I was speaking to a group uh, last week in Atlanta. And I ran into a great clips and I like, you know, walked in and I said, Hey, can somebody shave my head? I mean, I'm, you know, I just need a clipper put on my head. And this gentleman came up and I, I could feel on him, his un feeling not enough. I could feel it, you know, like, and he walked up and he, his eyes were kind of down and he came to the computer and, you know, what do you need? I was like, I, you know, I just looking to have my head shaved. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm doing everything that I can do in that moment to build rapport, to, sh to share a good vibe with him. Um, and we go and we sit down and, you know, he kind of, you know, starts fumbling around, uh, I'm not, I'm not mad at him for this, but, you know, cluttered station hair on it. You know, he's taking the dryer, blowing off the hair. <laughs> um, and I don't, you know, I mean, in all honesty, at, at this time, like I can see it. I know all those things are wrong practices, but I don't care <laughs> anymore for me. Right. I wouldn't have it in my salon, but you know, I'm, I've turned into a different person. Um, so we start to have a conversation. And he says, what do you do? And I didn't want to lie. So I said, I used to be a hairstylist. Now I still do some, you know, speaking in the industry and make videos and stuff. And we, and I could see he immediately, like when I told him I wasn't behind the chair anymore, he was like, you got out. Like <laughs> he was so jealous. Like oh, yeah. I, I want to, and I could, you know, I could just feel that like, he, something about being a hairstylist wasn't, didn't make him feel worthwhile. And I tried everything throughout that conversation to make him know that I think that one of the hairstylist is one of the best jobs on the planet. It's like, you're one of the most important people in your community, literally no mm -hmm. bullshit. You are a kingpin in your community and people can't wait to go to you every month. And that, and this guy didn't even know it. He was making my day. I'm going bald on the top. I hate when I can see my bald spot. I mean, I just, I, I still haven't accepted it. Right. That's a part of my vanity. <laughs> and I felt tremendous when I walked out of there with how my hair looked like, I love when my head is clean shaved and he made my day, but he couldn't digest it right? He couldn't digest that. And I could feel that. Um, and so, damn, what was the question again? Cause I want to circle this back. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I just think that it's hard enough to lead ourselves and then we're trying to lead a team and we're leading a team through a time. That's, that's what I want to say. That's what, I, okay. So to get back to this, the only difference between that, you know, young man that gave me a haircut and somebody that's crushing it is, is all in his head. Mm -hmm. He had the look, 
he had the skills. He gave me, you know, I mean, he knew how to handle a clipper beautifully. He was, there was no challenge for him and what he was doing, but he had a mindset about what he was doing that was different than mm -hmm. somebody that's have, you know, living their dream life, you know, living their best life, as we say. And it's the same thing with salon owners. Um, I've worked with a salon owner that has an $11 million company. He's opening a seventh salon right now. He's got a cosmetology school and, and growing like a train, you know, growing like a steam train, you know, rolling down the tracks and he's, he's not looking back. What do people see when they go there? They see somebody that has clarity on where they're going. They see safety and security. That business isn't going anywhere. They see a leader that actually leads. Um, they see a safe space to work. People inside of there are protected. They have, you know, an HR department. Their, their um, challenges are heard. They're seen as people. And they're creatively inspired as well. Um, you know, they have an internal education team. Now, you don't need an internal education team to, to creatively inspire each other, but you need to be purposeful. So never mind what's going to happen in the economy. You know, 2008, I was behind the chair. We took a dip, 20%. You know, we went from doing over a million to a little less, a little, well, 200,000 less. Um, and uh, that was a big deal, right? We grew again. And um, we grew because I wasn't going anywhere. Like, you know, there nothing could happen in the economy that was going to get me to stop being a salon owner. So as long as you understand that people nowadays are looking for, they want to know that you're on purpose. They want to know that what you say in the interview is going to be what it's really like to work there. If you say you're a team, then you better damn well be a team. If you say you're going to get training, then you better know what that training looks like and be specific about it and be scheduled. Because I do notice, you know, if we can say generationally, I, I hate using the term, but but Z's um, and even millennials were, you know, millennials are now becoming, you know, the owners and now they're realizing <laughs> all the shit they were yelling at us Gen Xers about. <laughs> it's a real thing, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, oh, wow, I just thought it was easy. But now we're the ones running businesses and it's hard. Business is hard. Um, but, you know, there's a there's an expectation just based on the way our society runs nowadays that you're going to you're going to be a little more buttoned up. You're going to be a little more scheduled. You're going to have systems. They're going to understand their work hours. There is, you know, they're going to understand what the flexibility looks like. And as long as you're in that game, then forget the economy, <laughs> you know, I mean, budget, right? Like make sure your budgets, you know, don't overspend, uh, do those things. But, you know, what are you going to do? Go be a dentist? What's the alternative? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the game, be in the game and just know that, look, some people are going to go be in a suite, like, fine. I think it's great. If, you know, if, if I have friends that are in suites that love it, I have friends that are in team-based pay salons that would never leave. I have friends that are in commission salons that love it. So it's like, make sure when you're hiring people that that's their end goal outcome. Honestly, 
somebody tells me they want to own a salon in three years, I'm asking more questions. Somebody tells me they want to work for a great team and they want to show up and they want to be a part of a thing. That's somebody who, you know, I might be bringing on. Hmm. I absolutely love this conversation and it's fun how this kind of took a turn differently than what I was thinking, because I know originally we wanted to talk about leadership and, and I think that so many people are talking about leadership and forgetting that the most important person to lead is ourselves. And I think that this is just such a beautiful full circle and I'd love to wrap this up and, and get your last Last bit of advice, and I know I'm going to have you back on uh, the podcast again because you're always uh, so fun and easy to talk to. And it's, and I'm so dang proud of you, Chris, for just coming into your like own and like, you know, being comfortable and of who you are and, and finding that fulfillment because that's like a life journey of finding purpose, finding that fulfillment. And thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, no, I mean, thank you. It's, it's, um, hell, it only took 50 years. <laughs> I guess I'd say then, you know, what type of advice can you give for somebody who might be feeling maybe where you were at and what, what can they do to start this new trajectory of maybe where they really would like to go and have that telling truth to themselves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Actually, that's a great place to start. I mean, um, be comfortable telling yourself the truth about what's working maybe and what's not working. And um, it's easier said than done. I want to say that at first, and it happens in phases and where you are right now doesn't mean that's where you'll be in 10 years, five years or whatever. So, you know, if I was talking to my 21 year old self, um, I would say, stop lying so damn much. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not in jail yet. So don't worry about that, but just stop lying and what do I mean by lying? Trying to make yourself look like something you're not yet. Like, I think we lie so much about um, how was your weekend? <laughs> you know, it was awesome. And it's like, when you talk to the person's significant other, they're like, oh, he was miserable all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, I mean, what do you want to eat? tonight. <laughs> like I, you know, I see people that really on small decisions, small things can't even identify what they, what their needs are because they're so engulfed in the, the needs of everybody around them. And again, you have to be a part of it. Like this is, you know, being in society is a working relationship, being in a family is a working relationship. Um, but if you're somebody who has lost your voice, and I think a lot of people have, um, and God, certainly if you're in your 30s, I mean, I, you know, that that's a time when you're in a transition from being in your 20s where you know everything 
and then you you start to get hints that you might not know everything anymore um and you question oh my god was i ever or you know that or what do i do now you know um so just put the hammer down there's nobody here to beat up there's nobody here to blame um but do start to have those conversations and so um, one of the last pieces of advice I ever got to ask my mother, you know, before she passed, we had great conversations that whole year, you know, as she was winding down. But in one of the final ones, you know, I just asked her, like, how do I live up to, you know, not her expectations of me, but the standards that she demonstrated for us as a family? And she said what you said earlier. Like you just have to be true to yourself. And unfortunately at that time, like, I don't know that I actually knew what she meant yet. So if, if you don't know what that means yet, I would say, start to try to find that out. Mm. Love that. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for Chris, for being a part of the show. And um, I'll make sure to put in the show notes, how people can get in touch with you and uh, make sure to uh, listen to all the good advice that you are sharing. So thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you are loving these episodes, I would appreciate a review on your experience of how this podcast is helping you grow your business so that others just like yourself can learn, grow, and be a part of the podcast. I'd love to get connected with my listeners, so make sure to join me in the free Facebook group where you'll find a community of like-minded beauty professionals that want to grow their business and careers. I'll share with you my top tips, Q&As, and when new podcasts are released. Thank you again for your love and support. It's an honor to be a part of your business building journey.